what is self-promotion? I guess like this podcast is self-promotion for all of us. Yeah, I think it's like it's a little bit it's kind of a meta topic. I guess maybe refer to the stuff you do online that has your name on it. First question is like why would somebody want to promote themselves? I do it for a few reasons. One is that, you know, I find that getting your name out there really helps with especially consulting, helps you get clients and can help you find jobs and people if you I don't know, like give a podcast on a topic or give a talk on a topic. People inherently just assume that you're an expert at it. So I have learned by giving talks, I've learned more about the topics I gave talks on than anything else. Like everything I actually would consider myself an expert at is something that I gave a talk on. Well, that's one of the things I want to talk about was, for me personally, like I like doing this podcast because it helps me get better at speaking and, and debating and discussing things with people and hopefully not saying um and ah uh, too much, even if Len cuts them out anyway. Um, there you go. And, uh, for, for talks, yeah, I, the, one of the best ways to learn something is to teach it because you, you're forced to verbalize everything that you're trying to explain to somebody. Sometimes it causes you to realize you don't know why something works or you don't know how something works and causes you to dive a little deeper or, or find the correct terminology or the right way to do something just to teach somebody else how to do it. Right, it requires like a different level of understanding to teach a topic than to just use that that language or, or technology yourself. Right. I think they should you should delete the word or phrase self promotion from your vocabulary and just think of it as things that you should be doing anyway. Both for like they both help other people and you at the same time. I think if we do the uh, you know a Venn diagram of most of these things we're talking about when we talk about self-promotion, if you have uh, self-promotion and you have community building and you have learning, then more often than not, they will overlap. And I think self-promotion can, can kind of sound like a little cynical of a motivation. Were you guys always good at self-promotion? Or doing these things that we say that are good things? I'm not terribly like good or into speaking or or this <laughs> uh but i kind of force myself to do it because i know i'm bad at it so it's a little hack for myself to get better at those things and pam you're you're one of i think the only one of the four of us that has an active blog uh you seem to enjoy you writing. all don't no so no. i've i've tried a few times and i realized that i'm just not into writing i created like a kind of a blog that just posts tips like bash and vim and ruby tips it's called til today i learned so i I realized that that, like for me that fit the best like just kind of taking something i learned and not really writing but just kind of like uh, explaining how to do it in a few lines and then just posting that but i I know some people write kind of short or long form blog posts I've, i've you enjoy writing? Yeah, I like writing and i mean part of writing on the webivore is it actually is like I just have a rule that I must write on there once a week. And that is how, because of the the trudging forward of time, now there's a bunch of stuff on there. So um, being consistent was really key for me. And I mean, I like I just like to write in general. So it's one of the things about this topic is that these are things that I like to do in general. Uh, and it just happens that I can, if I choose to do them on a programming topic that or a programming tangent topic that it benefits me professionally so that's actually when i started the web in 2010 
when you get started blogging, you have you kind of have to make a decision. And I still see some people actually, uh, some of my friends in the industry who still write about non-tech related things on their blog, and I it can draw away from your focus. At mm-hmm. the same time, there are some people who, if they started that a long time ago and they went whole hog, uh, I really really like reading their blog because it's it's really honest. And it's just a different kind of writing that like I, there's very few times on the web of war where you'll find me saying something about my personal life. Um, I think I mentioned like in a sentence about when my husband got out of the military, which was a really big personal thing for me. It was kind of difficult, but you know, that's like, that's not what the blog's for. And so it doesn't go in there, but I do appreciate when people share that way. It's just, hmm. it's that kind of brutal honesty. Some people put on the internet and it's very risky and I, it's just a, it's a beautiful kind of writing and I really like reading it, but it's, it's just, it's too risky for me, I think. Do you have examples of blogs you follow, maybe like in the tech industry that, that are examples of that? I mean, I, I'm honestly thinking of one particular one that I started reading yesterday because she, uh, let's see, her name is uh, Deirdre Strohan. She, and her blog, she actually has an autobiography page that actually walks through like her life and her path from like she was born in 1962 to now and it's just and then you know I went to school in India when I was you know in high for high school and then you know a few years ago got divorced and things like that it's like it's very it's just honest and like seeing having that kind of window into someone's life like I really enjoy reading memoirs and things like that uh, because it's it's so nice to see just the way other people are that's really cool does anybody else um blog or self-promote before they were in the tech industry or I should say like the programming you know area of of tech Uh, um I would say I do a lot of self-promoting, but I'm secretly a people person, so I was good at, I guess, talking to people and having them remember my face for some reason. Like, I would give them a reason to, and I think that's how I got my first real software development job. I tried blogging, then my blog died, and now I do Philly RB, um, and that's going well. And I try to organize other events or uh, help out at other people's events so people, I can become friends with people. Uh, so I guess follow-up question is, how do you realize what you're good at? Or how did you guys realize what you're good at? And how long do you think you should spend on self-promoting stuff? I think there's kind of like two things. Like One is something you're already good at. Maybe you really like contributing to open source and you already do that all the time. That's kind of a natural way to, as a programmer, get your name out there if you're contributing to open source projects. Um, but there's also like maybe things that you want to be good at, such as you know speaking or writing. And the only way to get better at those things is to do them. So for speaking in particular, that's, that's why I, I used to have a rule of submitting to at least one conference a month. My travel's been a little limited recently and coming up soon so i've been holding off on that but so do you think the balance of the stuff you do is more for you or helps other people out too 
Like how much? Is it 50-50 or? Mostly I would say it's like for me to get better at those things and to self-promote, which I guess would make that like a, an evil. But I do really like, and I, I do also do it because sometimes like an open source project somebody will really like and sometimes take over or or contribute to and say that they really like it. Or if I give a talk and I, you know, when, when you're practicing a talk, you practice it so much that you sometimes lose the novelty of the ideas you're sharing. And it feels like, you know, nobody wants to hear this. Like, kind of like imposter syndrome, like, you know, this stuff's obvious. I know it, so everybody else probably knows it. And most of the people in the room have not heard what you're going to say. So you usually get a lot of comments or compliments afterwards about like one part of what you talked about or so that can that can feel really good and it feels like you've opened somebody's eyes to a new idea or a new technology or something. Also if you're blogging or, or writing or, or having something online published, seeing that shared around I guess kind of falls in the same category. Like I was trying to say before, I think for me I'll start for self-promotion and I'll get more into the community name building or the learning parts. And I probably don't follow through on the self-promoting as much. I feel like sometimes I have something to share and it just takes like an extra, like the 80-20 rule, like just the extra few percent of polishing it up and shipping it. That makes all the difference. I mean, we can get super meta with kind of how we uh, changed our podcast intro. I thought that the uh, flow is better when we just start talking, but I think that's much worse for our own personal branding, because I think a lot of our listeners don't remember all of our names. You're listening to Turing Incomplete with Len Smith, Javon Derry, Justin Campbell, and Pam Selly. I'm Ignu on the internet. Here's your host, Len Smith. Oh, and then you all went out of order. <laughs> I know. I, I need to stick with the colors. Did you guys find much information about self-promotion in the developer community online? Or you just speak the only thing I could think of in terms of like talking about developer self promotion is the concept of visibility that I've and I but it's the thing I couldn't remember where I'd seen these blog posts because they're you know kind of I feel like they're kind of buried, but that there's advice for if you're an engineer that if you like being an engineer, you must figure out visibility if you want to if you have a desire to get on projects that you like versus projects someone just puts you on because they don't know what you like things like that and so the visibility is actually a really important part of the career path that in terms of like i feel like the branding personal branding idea has kind of permeated into everything but even then it's still a little late coming for some for some in engineering maybe maybe that's not as true anymore now that the conference circuit is massive but do you all think that's still true that a lot of engineers don't really understand visibility yeah, and, and I'm kind of taking what you're saying to also mean like we've been kind of assuming that we're talking about, you know, the public image on Twitter or, you know, open source or blogging. But this kind of also applies internally to your company too. Like, Yes, that like it's an internal thing as well that like how you present yourself and what you're known for determines like determines what people think of you for. Right. If you really want to do something, but no one knows that you like to do that, then no one's going to like, I, I think about it like the like thing I say in my head is I want someone to say my name. Like I want like, oh man, we need someone to, you know, hang out at free kitten and unicorn farm day. If only we knew someone who loved free kittens and unicorns <laughs> and someone will be like, Pam Selly, she should definitely be there. She's amazing. <laughs> 
And so I think about like someone saying your name and you kind of have to, you have to have visibility for that to happen. Yeah. Nobody will know what you're, you're good at or what you're interested in unless you tell them or, or voice it. And I think at some point, maybe before I was, you know, programming, I kind of realized that I kind of had this uh, mentality of like, I was good at X, Y, and Z. And I was like waiting to be discovered. And then at some point I realized that nobody will ever discover you. You need to kind of market yourself a little bit. That's a big, that's a big realization. It's one of those things that's true in general that that is is just the way things are. That some people think that if they work really hard, then eventually everyone's going to notice their, you know, their strife that they've been doing or whatever silently for however long. And spoiler, no one really does. <laughs> so there's no reason to to do craziness without telling anyone. Like if you stayed up late to help ship a project, then. It's one of those things because you don't want to complain, but you do kind of, you need to let people know. That could be a whole podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a difficulty with like drawing the line of like telling people things that help them better understand what's going on. Like when like crazy stuff is going on in my life and I'm like, well, that's part of my life and not part of your business. However, if I'm, I have like a certain level of, I would say ability to deal with bullshit. And if like my ability has been taken up 100% already and I will just not deal with you, then it probably helps if I tell you that, like, (laughs) I can't deal with you because, you know, there's something going on and I just, like, need to be left alone for a bit. What do you guys, so, I guess the GitHub resume thing has been a little controversial at times. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I'm just, because that has become, I guess, one way to do the self-promotion, and I think that might have an evil connotation. Of yeah. I, some people that don't do open source stuff, it's like, well, why are you going to look at my GitHub? Yeah, I think that if you're, if you're hiring somebody for technical ability programming, then and they already have a GitHub profile or a bunch of commits to open source projects, and you can actually look at what they what you're hiring them for. You're, looking at, you're hiring them the right code and, you know, do that in, in a correct and, and way that you agree with. Um, there's no easier way than to look at work they've already done. And so that that makes it really easy. But I think somebody hiring also needs to recognize that not everybody has the time or privilege to contribute to open source projects all the time. Yeah, we've come back to that topic. Actually, I, I want to go on a, a small tangent just because uh, one, one of my buddies said something cool the other day where they got they were getting sick of doing the same kind of technical interview over and over again and just watching someone like flail. So what they decided to do was they wrote a bit of shitty code and then had the other person code review it in front of them. Hmm. And I thought that was an interesting strategy. That is interesting. If nothing else, just to do something different than the usual old technical interview. I guess if you're hiring for a language somebody already knows, then then that that fits pretty pretty well. I mean, what like well, what language are you hiring for? Where they many places will say like you know we are a Ruby shop, and I know that you know Java. And we want to make sure that you you know write clean code that you know how object oriented programming works, and know, you know how to do it properly in a, in a way that's maintainable. Um, and you're open to learning Ruby, so I wouldn't expect that person to be able to look at some bad Ruby and see you know see through the the syntax and, and know what's wrong. Uh, I okay. Guess maybe, yeah. Like if you, uh, I get what you mean. That to like that. There's the different levels of hiring. If you're hiring someone to be good at, yeah, if you're, if you're good hiring at all, a Ruby, certain language already. If you're hiring, but Ruby also, expert, but it's not obviously. just that. It's that it's about your code review skills. 
That's true. So it's about, it's the, you know, the, one of my earliest advices, pieces of advice in hiring was to always make sure that you ask yourself if you want to sit next to that person. And if they don't pass that test, then don't hire them. Yeah. And so you can actually like see someone rightfully rip your stuff apart because you're ready for it. But how do they do that? And do they, do they tread too lightly or are they willing to say that it needs to be said, but in a way that's not personal, all that kind of thing? I have the personal branding problem of uh, my last name is Smith. So that sucks for me. Like I know you, ideally you should have your Twitter name be your real name so people can make that connection. But there's no place where I'm going to get Len Smith. I think I list counted on Twitter there were like 19 Justin Campbells. But you got Justin Campbell. You got there early. I did. Then you should work at every social media company and then get your name and then quit. <laughs> I tried to sell Justin Campbell, but nobody wanted it. Why would you? Well, for did, the you right price. did you for real try to sell it? I just I just tweeted and mentioned people and nobody nobody was into it. Hmm. So where can someone learn more about doing this stuff? Who can they look at or what good examples or where should they start? Aaron Patterson. The guy Does that calls himself Tender Love. Or? Yeah, he's um Tender Love on Twitter, and he has a blog called Tender Love Making. And I just really like um, his style of sharing, you know, conference talks. And yeah, he doesn't have any material, uh, like you're asking Pam, like specifically about self promotion. But I commonly think, like, if I were to share this, you know, what would what would Tender Love do? WWTLD. He's super hilarious. Uh, but no, he's not just funny, but positive. Like all the time. That is true. Yes. So I, I try to think about that. Not not just him. There's lots of other people that I follow online that are also fairly positive. So I, I think that's one thing I try to keep in mind is how do I share this? How do I share like whatever content I'm sharing or whatever thought or emotion I'm sharing and, you know, make somebody else happy or smile. I, I tend to unfollow people on Twitter that complain a lot. So I try to not complain a lot. So there's a hidden side of doing public stuff, which is you secretly represent your company or you can really damage your image by just saying the wrong thing. Do you guys, um, are you ever scared to share anything or how to use, what, what's I mean, your thought process of, hey, that should not come out? Yeah, I mean, I sometimes am. It's just the, I mean, I do work for like the most hated company. Um <laughs> And so, at the same time, I'm like, well, the bar's set really low, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I'm doing really well. <laughs> but no, really, I mean, it, I always think it's like the common sense filter. There's actually like the um, the women's network at work, Comcast Women on Twitter, because they just start. So, they just started their Twitter account, and they're kind of worried. They're like, whoa, man, like, we're on we're on the social media, which, you know, is a little like, you know, eight years late to be worried about that. Um, so I'm, I'm really encouraging them that, you know, as long as, as long as you pass it through the, is this a bad idea filter, uh, people, you know, I, I, I do know people who don't have that filter, but these people definitely do have that filter. I think we all probably have that filter, uh, or if someone has failed at that filter, I politely let them know that they didn't look so good. Like if they put something in their slides that they shouldn't have. So going back to what Jervon said earlier about expressing your thoughts and opinions in the light of, you know, everybody knows you work for a certain employer. I've often debated that on, you know, this very podcast because, you know, we, three of us work for a company called PropWorks, 
consulting company, which is, you know, I, I'm pretty biased, but I think we're one of the best consulting companies in Philadelphia, the best consulting company in Philadelphia for Ruby and JavaScript consulting. I mean, three out of four of us work for PromptWorks, but I don't think this is a PromptWorks podcast. And I do often debate, like, you know, if we share share thoughts and opinions that maybe I think or or three or four of us think and PromptWorks doesn't think, like, I hope that doesn't, you know, hurt PromptWorks as a company or brand. I mean, all of us make money from some company and we all have our own individual thoughts and opinions. And I don't think there's any real way around that. Do you yeah. think at a smaller scale, people work at a company with their same values, so it's less of a worry? I think I think some people work for companies that maybe they don't agree with everything the company does, but maybe the technical problems are really great, and there's all and it can affect a lot of people. So they still find value in the work anyway. I don't want to name anybody out, but I'm thinking of somebody not on this podcast um, that works for a very large and uh, controversial company. But they've mentioned that that the technical problems that they work with are really interesting and, and affect a lot of a lot of people. So they're they're still rewarding to work on. So I work for PromptWorks. I went there because we sort of think alike. So things that I share on Twitter might not, or publicly might not, offend them as much as if I worked at a bigger company where there are so many different views and no one. It's a big company, so you will rub someone the wrong way with things you say at times versus a smaller knit team where you probably mostly think the same. Yeah, I get what you're getting at. That like Oh, I was just saying that the fear at a smaller company might be less versus a bigger company. So in consulting, at a certain level, your personal opinions do matter because they are kind of hiring you as experts, as kind of the people versus working on a product. Yeah, like definitely at a consulting company, like the product that the company is selling is you. So the more visible and, you know, self-promoting you are, the more people you know your name and associate with certain technology, but they also might know your opinions more and may or may not agree with them. So I guess there's a potential that you could turn off clients with your opinions. So what other things do you, do the three of you produce as content besides blogs and podcasts and open source code that might be considered self-promotion and speaking. Do any of you have like a mailing list or a product you sell or? Pam, you have a book? Oh, I was not trying to lead that, but she does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have a book, but I, I do not have a mailing list. I have wondered if I should get a mailing list. But should. I mean, but the problem with having a mailing list, Ravon, is then you have to use it sometimes. <laughs> just copy paste blog posts <laughs> I mean that's Email what a lot of people, people do they just write their often. blog post um, or or I mean or there's the link roundup thing that people do but and and maybe it's maybe it's not an issue maybe it's a uh, you know you only email people on the very unscheduled off occasion but I usually see people maybe it's and it could be just because that's what I noticed because it's on a schedule that people do weekly or bi-weekly. And it's actually, you know, maybe I should just do it. That can be my after work. Just because uh, the, the, probably the laziest thing when you do have a blog is you just uh, put a form at the bottom of each post. And you say, like my blog post, join my list. And then you see what happens. Yeah, I've never 
done this, but I've heard lots of people say on podcasts or or on blog posts that having some mailing list network is the most effective way to cross promote products. Have you guys taken any classes? Yeah. So before I moved into software engineering, I was doing, well, really like as the day job, I was doing managing IT, but I also did some social media strategy. And so I learned some of that kind of like Twitter hacking, growth hacking stuff uh, back in the day. And it's changed a, a lot, but a certain amount of the game is still the same. That even simple stuff like when I was talking to people starting the the Comcast Women account, that that your ratio matters. That there's like the Twitter ratio where you want to be more followed than you are following because psychology. There's no good reason for it. And you can use uh, Twitter lists to help that. Like if you actually want to get updates for something, you don't need to follow them. I have a software list and a celebrity list for like, I can like follow CNN, but not actually follow them, but see all their tweets. Oh, I didn't know. I See, that's something I actually didn't know. I didn't know it doesn't count in your following count. Yeah, you can make as many so lists as you want. So if you create you a list and you add someone to it, then it doesn't count in your following count? Right. Wow, interesting. Because that's actually probably a... A follower hacking strategy too, because if you follow people, they'll often add you. They'll often follow. If you add people to a list, they'll often follow you back. Right, that's and interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit annoying to yeah, right. read it that way on the website, but I use TweetDeck, so I'll have a column of the people I'm yeah, following, and then like mm-hmm. a column of like celebrities and a column of like uh, famous software people who are too famous to follow me back. So I guess this comes back to taking the self promotion phrase out of our vocabulary. Is it just about being a consumer versus a producer? It's like, as a human, you should strive to produce more content versus... I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want to make that statement because then you have the people yelling at a wall problem. What's the people yelling at the wall problem? So I, I saw this on Twitter in terms of disruptive innovation that the problem that Twitter solves is someone yelling out their window and brings it to the internet. That's one of the things that's interesting about creating on the internet is that anyone can create on the internet. There are something I saw the data is like something like 20 million blogs or something like that. So if you are voicing your opinions, but you have no audience, then who cares? But also that is, it's an ecosystem. So it's not just one way that if you, um, you know, rather than you yelling out your window, uh, you going and, you know, you learn something. So you write about it on your blog and reference back to the person that you learned it from. And then, you know, and then someone else learns something from you uh, and all that kind of thing. That is not just a one-way, a one-way conversation. And I guess maybe there is a certain level of influence where you kind of get to have a one-way conversation, like kind of the, the super, the super Twitterati. But I don't know. I don't see how that could be, how that's super fun. And I think people, people like them better when they actually interact with the plebeians. So it's 8.56. Are we at a good stopping point? We need these things called picks. I'll start. I'm going to pick a Vim plugin called Vim Room. It's kind of like Write Room for Vim. And it makes writing you know, notes, documentation, I guess blog posts or books if you want to do that in Vim. Uh, Makes it pretty nice. So if you're used to Vim, but you need a more distraction-free writing environment, the GitHub is Mike West slash Vimroom. Link in the show notes. 
Jervon, do you have a pick? I do have a pick. So last week, Pam suggested I sign up for This Is My Jam. And I did. So my music pick will be on This Is My Jam. Uh, but the pick is Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys. Um, so I'll put that in This Is My Jam. And my programming pick is uh, The Docker Book. It's a book that recently got released about Docker. I've been reading it. And it's pretty good. Explains a few questions that I've had. Uh, so yeah, those are my picks. So I'll pick the relaunch of my blog in the spirit of uh, the <laughs> show, which is just at barrison.com. And uh, Pam, do you have a, a pick? Uh, I could do that and say that I will begrudgingly make a mailing list. This is the thing, so I'll, I can make it and then, you know, tens of people can be on it uh, until I decide to do something with it. And I also pick... You know, Javon using this is my jam. So I'm glad that you went ahead and used it. So we should share the. Yeah, I'll put it in the show. The page. I'll do a pull request. Yeah. Len, you should write an article about relaunching your blog and what you did. Can you write a blog on your blog? (laughs) I I didn't really do it yet, but I I have to now because I just said (laughs) I am. Committed on the internet. If you say things on the internet, they're true, Len. Yeah, I know. That's how it works. Yeah. All right. So show notes are at turing.cool slash 13. And I'll talk to you guys next week.